Welcome to Bible Idiots, the teaching platform for my husband, Pastor Chris Danielson. This week, Chris takes us on a deep dive into the concept of being bullseye focused. What is it you're focused on? What is it that dominates your thought life and your actions? I'm Emily Danielson, and remember, you can get all of Bible Idiots, as well as so much more, at FreshRoadMedia.com. But let's join Chris in the main auditorium at Fresh Encounter Church in Harlan, Iowa. We pick up right at the conclusion of A Flicker of Faith, a shot video to launch the message. This week, it was the cowboy Curly and his one thing seen in the movie City Slickers with Billy Crystal. So open your Bible or device to Philippians chapter 3, and thank you for spending your time with us. Do you know what the secret of life is? No, what? This. Your finger? One thing. Just one thing. You stick to that. That's great, but what's the one thing? That's what you've got to figure out. Some of you in this room have already figured it out. And some of you need to. Some of you want to. Some of you are here for that reason. Next week, I'll probably start the message with the question, why are you here? What brought you here today? And I hope it's because as a lost sinner, you found salvation through the love and blood of Jesus Christ, and you want to come and worship him. And that want isn't a conjured up desire. It's a desire that's been put there by the Holy Spirit, and you want to come to a good ground church with good ground music and good ground preaching, and that can only be found in the Word of God. And so today I want to teach about the biblical doctrine of living a bullseye-focused life by the example and teaching of the Apostle Paul. And during this, I hope that you find your one thing. Let's read Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 16 together. Pull that up on your device or on your Bibles. Open it up. I'll have it on the screen for you, but I'm going to ask you to stand for the honoring of God's Word. Philippians 3, 7 through 16. It was 10 through 16 until yesterday, and then I made it 7, or until uh, Thursday, and then I made it 7 through 16, because I want you to hear the passion of Paul as he's coming into this. You ready? Here we go. I read in Jesus' name. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead, by any means possible. Verse 12, not that I have already attained this, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal 
of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Let us only hold true to what we have attained. Heavenly Father, let these be your words to your children on this special Mother's Day graduation day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Be seated, please. A hungry tiger started tracking the scent of a deer. And as he followed the deer, all of a sudden he came across the scent of a rabbit. And everybody knows that fresh rabbit tastes better than fresh deer. So he turned aside and he started to sniff after the rabbit. Then he was distracted by the scent of a mouse. And I mean, come on, a mouse as an appetizer before the rabbit? I mean, everybody wants that. So he started following that until finally he came to a hole in which the mouse had vanished into. So the tiger ended the day hungry, hungrier than he started the day. That's an ancient fable that illustrates how we spend our lives many times in a distracted manner. We start out with this or that, and by the end of the day, we've accomplished little because we just keep finding new things to distract or entertain ourselves with. In Philippians chapter 3, which I just read a big chunk of it, it gives us a focus for our lives, dare I say a bullseye for our lives. And it's a spiritual focus. And Paul wrote in Philippians 3, the second half of 13 and verse 14, it says there, that, but the one thing I do, this one thing I do, not a hundred things I start, or a dozen things I attempt, but one thing I do. Paul says he's putting all of his energy into one thing. And what's that one thing, according to the scriptures we just read? It's pressing toward the goal of the prize. See... I do struggle with this concept, and I know that there's probably other creative types like me who do. Some of you logical folks, I think, have it a little easier than us creative types. But we get involved at times in too many projects. Because I look at a project, and I'm like, "Ah, it's a one-pound project. I can do one-pound projects in my sleep. But what if you only have a five-pound bag and you got 12 one-pound projects? How do you carry around 12 pounds in a five-pound bag. You don't. You juggle is what you do. There's a German proverb that says, he who begins too much accomplishes little. You end up doing less than your best when you have 12 pounds and only a five-pound bag. You're maybe not all of what you thought you were. Or for, you know, and I can only speak to men because I'm a man. But as men, the older we get, we can't do what we used to do. We can do it in here, but we can't do it here. And I'll never forget this. I was in my 40s. Some of you are like, that was like 30 years ago. No, (laughs) not quite that long ago. But I grew up with two sons playing football with them from the time they were out of diapers. And I mean, football in the yard and and so we just have these little passing games between the three of us that we do. And, and uh, so there's a little head, head movement and a little movement with the, with the ball. That means you go long. 
And Jake did that to me, and he, and he launched this pass, and as it's coming, I see it arcing, and as it's coming, I'm probably like 46, 47 now at this point, I see the ball coming, and I'm going to glide right underneath it like I always did. And the ball's coming, and I'm gliding, and the ball drops like five feet in front of me. I mean, I could have dove for it, but we all know in your 40s you're not diving for nothing. And it was like, I can't do it anymore. I can't do some of these things I used to do. So you either got too much going on, or you think more highly of yourself than you ought, or you want it to be the way it's always been, and it's not that way anymore. See, we have trouble at times putting our life into focus. And if you do a study about the Apostle Paul on the focus life, It'll help you and it'll help me. So that's our discussion this morning is living the focused life. There's three points I've got for you today. Point number one is living a bullseye focused on a person. Living a bullseye focus on a person. In verse 10 and 11 of our text it says, That I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. That by any means possible... One thing, by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection of the dead. Now, if you read that, verse 11, by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection of the dead. Does that not sound like you got to put some effort in? Does that not sound like you got to add more to your 12 pounds you're already trying to carry around in your five-pound bag? Well, actually, when you get into the gospel, you realize it's different. You obtain that resurrection from the dead Not by something you do, but by claiming the work of somebody else who you're focused on. See, knowing Christ involves no more than just knowing about him. Includes developing a relationship with him. Paul already enjoyed a special relationship with Christ, but he still longed for a deeper and richer knowledge, knowing Christ in this life. So much of the authentic Christian life is putting off now for what's to come. But let me tell you, there's a lot for right now. There's more for right now for you and for I than what we grasp onto. How do I say that? How do I know that's true for you? Just because it's true for me? No, it's true for both of us because of our condition. We still live in the flesh, we're still in a fallen world, and we're still trying to figure out this journey, this spiritual journey, which is why we have to have good ground teaching. We want good ground uh, ministry. In the, in the early, uh, next coming weeks, I'm going to teach you about the inputs that you put into your life will affect your outputs. It, it, it's, that's how it works. I have lost, in the last four years, last count, which was before Christmas, I have lost over 180 pounds, not all in a row, because, I mean, you guys are like, you're a thick dude now. (laughs) You got pictures? You got pictures? No, I I will focus, and I'll lose 30 pounds like that. At least I used to. It's coming off harder now that I'm getting closer to 60. And then I'll hurt myself, and then I'll get sad. And when I'm sad, I deserve to eat, and I don't want to eat salad. No one ever says, I'm sad. Anybody got a salad? You ever never see TV shows of girlfriends whose boyfriends broke up with them? We're going to sit here and eat salad all night. No, it's buckets of ice cream and cookie dough straight from the tube, yes? Now, you can do that, 
until about 45 to 50. Then when you do that, you have all kinds of digestive distress. Your body's not functioning the same. See, we are focused on Jesus. Knowing Christ in this life can be a depth chase that is worth every minute. Chase for the depth. There's a verse in James that has confused a lot of people. It's not my notes, just a sidebar. But it says, draw close unto God and he'll draw close unto you. He's not writing that to you. He's writing that to lost Jews, okay, who need Jesus. Once you have Jesus, the scriptures are clear. He holds you in his grip and he ain't ever going to let you go. You're as close to Jesus as you're ever going to be. That's fact. Now, you can try to squirm, you can try to run away. So I always try to talk about depth going deeper with Jesus for such a time as this. See, Paul wanted to know everything about Jesus. He wanted to know the following three things. He wanted to know the power of his resurrection. He wanted to know the fellowship of his suffering. And he wanted to know how becoming like him unto his death. And so let's take those three things real quick. Paul wants to know the power available to the Christian through the resurrection of the Lord. He wants to know. What's this going to be? Paul wants to know that same renewal that he felt the first time. And he wants that strength and power. How many of us have ever been to a retreat or a conference or a Bible camp or something, and you're driving home and you're just, you're on the mountain, man. You think you're going to be with Jesus like this forever. And then slowly, like air coming out of a tire, a week goes by and you don't feel the same way anymore. A month goes by, and now you're really in a bad place, and you wish you could get back to that mountaintop. See, it's found in the power of the resurrection. And at that same time, we need a constant renewal of that strength and power. Now, here's where it goes sideways for some people. We want that renewal and that strength and power to give us what? Comfort. The sinful Christian wants comfort. The spiritual Christian is okay to go into the suffering with the Lord. Paul wanted to know the fellowship of his suffering, the fellowship or sharing in the suffering as our translation I chose today. Other translations call it a fellowship. That's a joint participation. Paul felt like none of us could ever know Christ to the fullest in this life unless we shared in his suffering. I don't see that on the, on the pitch cards to come to the latest church. Come down to our church where we have people who suffer for the Lord. No. Galatians 6.17 says this. It says, from now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. Through suffering for the cause of Christ, Paul came to understand more clearly that the Lord had suffered for him. Do you know that the Lord has suffered for you? And then Paul concluded that thought with the words, uh, becoming like him. Other translations say, conformable unto his death. Being like him unto his death. With the help of the Lord Jesus Christ, what Paul is saying here is he's saying, I'm dying to myself. 
Galatians 2.20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. There is a place there. There is a place when you go there and Jesus takes you there that, to be honest with you, I don't know, I've seen it maybe a few times, but I'm counting on Jesus taking me to that place if I have to suffer any more than I already have. See, the reason I don't worry about the suffering that might come is because I believe that Jesus will take care of me at that moment. Does that make sense? In Galatians 2.20, he says, And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Other scriptures say no greater gift than that of a man who lays down his life for his friends. See, Paul's desire to know Christ more fully had at least four facets. This is a, I'm going to give you, you guys want a sermon in 15 seconds? This is actually a full sermon, but just condensed down to 15 seconds. You ready? A personal experience that I may know him. A powerful experience and the power of his resurrection. A painful experience, the fellowship of his suffering. A practical experience being Conformed unto his death. There you go. That's a full sermon right there. Not only that, I made every point letter match. You see that? (laughs) Maybe that's an inside joke for pastors, but I find it funny. (laughs) See, the beginning of our quest to know Christ is seen in Romans 6. Notice the emphasis on Christ's suffering and resurrection and our need to what? Conform to what? Conform to his blessings? Conform to his nature? Conform to the way he acts? WWJD? No. We conform to his death. Paul looked forward to knowing Christ in the next life, but this is what Paul had in mind in verse 11 of our text today when he said that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection of the dead. Paul looked forward to the time when he could know Christ fully. I look forward to the time when I will get to know Christ fully. Do you look forward to the time when you get to know Christ fully? Point number two today. He's bullseye focused on a prize. He's bullseye focused on a prize. In verses 12 and four, through 14 it says, Not that I have already attained this or am already perfect. Duh. But I press on. I make effort. I'm pushing I'm not making everybody around me feel comfortable. I'm doing what I'm called to do. I press on to make it my own. Why? Because Christ Jesus had made me his own. He first loved me. And he first loved you. There ain't nobody in Christianity, in authentic Christianity, that can claim that they were so spiritually enlightened that I loved Jesus before he loved me. No, we're fallen, sinful people. Christ loves us first. Then we love him back. See, there's humility that's needed there when you look into that. There's real humility. It's not though I have already obtained in the first part of verse 12. Not that I've already attained this or I'm already perfect. Paul had obtained the full knowledge of Christ, which would come at the resurrection. That's when the full knowledge. And Paul knew that that's when he would obtain it. In the second part of verse 12, he says, we're not even perfect. Paul knew that he was not all he could or should be. Paul claims 
he has room to grow. What does that tell you? What it tells me when I read that is that I will always have room to grow. Look, if the Apostle Paul, as he's coming down the pike saying, I got a lot of room to grow, I think I got room to grow too. How about you? See, the Bible challenges us to grow. Ephesians 4.15 says this, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is in the head into Christ. Another thing, uh, another way to, to look at this verse, verse 15, it says, rather, speaking the truth in love, another way to say that, to be honest with you, is rather hearing the truth in love. See, sometimes we take this out of context. Sometimes we want to tell people the truth in love, and it's not very loving at all. It's where are your motives? Who gets the glory? Are you wanting to grow up in every way into Christ? 2 Peter 3.18 says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. And that's how it ends. Amen. Right there. You can see it on the screen. We grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Growth going deeper. Some will say drawing closer because of that James passage. Either way, it's growing, it's changing, it's moving, it's not staying the same. So let's start with one of the things that some of you, just from your own testimonies, some of you, you need to forgive your past. Forgiveness is needed not only from you to others and from others to you, but from you and your mind to your past. How did Paul cope with not being all that he could be? Verse 13, he says, forgetting those things which are behind. Now, how far behind? This is Sunday morning. I don't care what you did last night. Today's a new day. Forget what happened behind. And let me talk to, again, some of you men. Sorry, ladies, I know it's Mother's Day. But I relate to this, and that you cannot keep hanging on to everything that you have done from your youth to now. People who knew me before I was 20 years old, and they've not known me since, but they knew me very well then, would either be laughing or shocked that I'm your pastor. They say that's the first quarter of your life. Well, let me tell you, I played a sloppy first quarter. And I stumble across people on Facebook from my old high school. And they see that I'm a pastor of a church and I get private messages. What? Forgetting those things which are behind. What did Paul forgot? He forgot his past successes. He was, he, he was seen earlier in this chapter just, you know, getting rid of all of that stuff. You can't rest on your laurels of your past successes. You can't, you, you can't count on your past failures. You've got to forgive yourself. You can't count on your past successes. Today is all we have. I could say some things in the next 15 seconds that would completely throttle everything I've taught you for a year. That's how we work. That's how people work. I could say something in the next 15 seconds that would endear me to you forever as your pastor. That's between the Holy Spirit and you. I don't know. All I know how to do is be honest and truthful. The point is, whatever happened before, happened before. Good, bad, or otherwise. It does not matter. 
You need to move forward. Now, you say, Chris, that's a contradiction to the other term where you say, don't, the Bible says, don't move the stones of your forefathers. No, there's a good thing in reflecting and, and taking advantage of things in the past. I've made a mistake that was very painful, and I, because of that pain, I won't make that mistake again. How many of you have ever been burned like by fire, heat, and you had blistering hands? Yeah. You won't make that same mistake again, will you? We were burning some stuff in our, in our campfire uh, pit. We had some debris that we were, we were burning and, and trying to turn it into a campfire to make it fun. And for whatever reason, nobody knows but her, Emily just decided with a bare hand to, to reach over and grab the lid on the, on the fire pit and pull it off. So she sat with her hand in an ice bucket the rest of the night. She won't do that mistake again. She will look for the little thing that lifts up that lid forever. And she wasn't, like, burned where I had to run. I mean, she was burned, but I mean, it, you follow? What you have done in your past can be useful to you in the future. I'm not discounting that part of it, but in general terms, forget the past. Forget your sins. God has forgiven you. Focus on moving forward. Paul admitted his past failures. He admitted he wasn't perfect. He admitted that he had not laid hold of what all Jesus had for him. Paul did not spend his time regretting. He repented and moved forward. Can some of you do the same? Many allow the past to destroy their today. And they also allow their past to dictate what they think they can, can't do in the future. Hebrews 12, 8, or, I'm sorry, 8, 12 says this. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. Why are you at church? Well, because I'm laser focused on the one guy in all of human history who lived a perfect life, died a sacrificial death for my sins out of love for me, and then gives me victory over death, hell, and the grave. And because of his mercies and his, all of my iniquities, all my sins, all of my just bad life is going to be remembered no more. I take an hour out of my week and I go and I just... Ask Jesus to fill me again today, to grow deeper in me today. Why? Out of gratitude that my sins will be remembered no more. And regarding the future, Paul talks about progress needed. When we dwell on our past, we many times become distracted and discouraged. Paul said, this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching towards those things which are before me. I follow after the goal. What's the goal? The upward call of God on your life. And he had a desire to reach that spiritual goal. And that upward call, we even sang it this morning, what's the prize? Jesus himself is our portion and our prize. And Paul knew, as we should, that this can be done faithfully as we fulfill our mission. We must live faithfully and bring as many people to Christ as we possibly can. Not that we want to do that. We can't help but want to do that. The Spirit puts that in your heart, and that's what you want to live out. And so when things stunt that, we speak out against it. We speak out against it regardless of whose itching ears might be 
untickled. We speak the truth of Jesus Christ and his salvation because the people that we're talking to many times, they have a veil over their face and they can't even see what we're talking about. So I'm not saying these people don't have any credibility. The Bible does. They're blind. They're veiled. They can't see. They don't even know what they're talking about. You get eyes to see and ears to hear when you surrender your life to Christ. And you live faithfully and bring as many people to Christ as you possibly can. All right, I'm going to say it. And I'm, I'm, I'm talking to some people right now. I don't know who you are. I don't have any person in mind other than people who I've had this discussion with who don't even live in the state in the last month. If you are a man and you continually look at porn, ask yourself, are you in the faith? Are you serving Jesus? Oh, there's so many destructive things we can talk about. But I believe the pornification of our culture, particularly Christian men who succumb to this, is one of the reasons we don't have the power in the American church that we used to have. And I don't care if it was yesterday. Men, that's yesterday. Today's a new day. You can be broken free from this. And many are dealing with it as an, almost, you know, as an addiction. And my heart breaks. And there are some people here in Iowa that I'm actually meeting with next week who I think really want to combat this. And they've had to combat it in their life, and they want to combat it in the greater community. And what we do then is we sometimes come off to people as if, no, you got to be a good little boy and girl. You, you know, we don't smoke, we don't chew, we don't go with those who do. That's stupid. That's fine if that's your personal mantra. But to turn this into behavior modification where you don't look at porn anymore because you don't want to be the dirty guy for Jesus is not the point. The point is you don't want to do it anymore because Jesus is in your heart and he takes that desire away. But, but I still have this desire, you tell me. But Jesus can take it away. This is what Paul is talking about. I set aside everything in this one thing, this one thing, I, I grab onto this one thing. And that one thing is the life, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ. And you say, Chris, do you, do you sit there and think about that all the time, all day, every day, every week? Yeah. I bet you 20 minutes can't go by without me somehow thinking about something. It's why I became a pastor. I would spend all my time trying to do my, either my sales job, my advertising job, or whatever it was that I had with a Bible wanting to be in God's Word. And there are some of you that are going through the same thing. You need to pursue that upward call. What does that look like to you? Oh, I can't because I used to be a drug dealer or you know, I got caught up in porn, whatever it is. Forgetting what is behind. You are renewed. You are cleansed by the blood of Jesus. I just read you where he's not going to remember your iniquities anymore. What excuse do you got? On judgment day, when you stare down Jesus, let me tell you who you're going to be looking at. You're not going to be looking at cartoon Jesus. The Bible says when you meet him, his eyes are going to be like fire. His tongue's going to be like a two-edged sword. He's going to have hair white as wool. 
and his mouth, the way he talks, is going to be like the sound of rushing waters. You ever stood next to a, like a river? Go up to Niagara Falls and have a conversation. Pretty hard to hear. That's, that's, that's a depth of sound. And this terrifying, horrible creature who is the God of the universe who created you, who could just blink and put you into hell, he's going to lean down with his right hand. Read Romans, or Revelation chapter 1. He's going to touch you on the shoulder. And he's going to say, my son, my daughter, come into the rest that's been prepared for you. Well, I don't know if I want to believe all that. I don't care. You do what you got to do. I'm going to live for the one thing. And I just explained it to you. At the end of his life, Paul wrote this, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 through 8. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the judge, righteous judge, will award to me on that day. But not only to me, but also to all who loved his appearing. I'm here to hang out with those right there. And if that's not you, I'll make time for you. We can get along. Are you telling me, Chris, that you have different levels of people where you look at this person in a higher light than you do in this person? Yep. And you should too. All are created equal. Yes. We're all created sinful. That's equal. And my sin ain't your sin, and your sin ain't my sin. And we can have grace for each other. But when we get to that higher plane, when Jesus calls us and redeems us, that creates a fellowship of what's called like-minded believers. And we live and function differently with each other than with unbelievers. And what are we told we're supposed to do with unbelievers? We're supposed to bless them. We're supposed to pray for them. What if that unbeliever becomes an enemy and actually hates on you? You're supposed to pray for them. You're supposed to bless them. How do you do that? Well, a lot of times, it's from the fellowship of the believers that you're hanging out with gives you the strength to be able to do that. That's why a good ground church is important. And that's why people who don't know Jesus, who want to be a part of the church, when they want to tell you what's what, they don't have any credibility. I don't say so. The Bible says so, if you read it. Let's go to the last point. I'm already there. Bullseye focus on people. In Philippians 15, uh, 3, 15 and 16, it says this as we bring it home today. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, let me tell you how wrong you are in your wrongy wrongness. Let me take it upon myself to point out how wrong you all are. We always make a joke with other pastors. I'm like, have you ever started a message with, I got a lot of problems with you people. I just want to start one, just one day, just because I think you all get it. But anyway, no. And if you think, and anything you, th- and if any of you think otherwise, it's not my job to open your eyes. My job is to show you the one who can open your eyes. It says God will reveal that to you also. Let only the let us only hold true to what we have obtained. It's a genuine concern. Paul's focused on his life in verses 4 through 14. You hear a lot of I, me, my, myself, me, I, uh, uh, uh. But in verse 15, 
In verse 15, he, 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 he spins it. It's like if you're feeling dizzy, it's because the tables have turned. He comes in in verse 15, and he shifts to the plural. Let us, those of us, let those of us who know Jesus. Paul wants everyone that has this attitude that he's been describing to hear his words. And it's a plural. It's a trait of maturity, being like-minded. You want to know what immaturity is? Again, I've told you that God says there's wheat, wheat and tares that grow up together. You're not supposed to try to pick them apart, but let me separate them on judgment day. You try to bless and teach them all the same. But it's a common thing. A trait of immaturity, doesn't mean unsaved, but immaturity is an inadequate grasp of God's word. Or trying to make God's word into something you want it to be for you. And that is the problem, isn't it? See, and if anything be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Our translation says, and in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. So we're trusting God. Walk in the same rule. Walk with the same mind. Be spiritually united. We must have a common authority. You want to see, you know, you want to see where people go off the rails? Just look at how they view Scripture. I made it very clear, and Fresh Encounter has made it very clear in their statement of faith, and we are unified in this. The leadership of Fresh Encounter, the pastor, the worship director, the worship pastor, we're all unified. The Bible is our final authority. The Bible is inspired. We have a great grasp of God and his word because that's how he's chosen to reveal himself. God will for us be plain as day if we obediently adhere to his written word. It's not hard to understand. It's hard to execute. So let me conclude. Living the bullseye focused life finds us, A, remaining focused on the spiritual task that God has given us, and B, many matters in life are important, but none is as important as one thing. And that one thing is surrendering your life and following Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you and thank you and praise you. Lord, we ask that the one thing would permeate our hearts. Lord, that we would have love that we don't have. That we would have patience that we don't have. And that some that have, more will be given. And some that don't have, will be given what is suffice for the times. Lord, we trust you to give us these gifts. And we just love you for the cross, and we love you for the resurrection. And many times, Lord, we forget that you are the perfect Lamb of God, which means you're legitimate. You're the rightful one to do this and to give it to us. Lord, we accept it today. We love you and thank you. Amen. Thanks for listening to the teaching ministry of my husband, Chris Danielson. BibleIdiots.com is still the website for this show, but we have grown. The new parent ministry is found at FreshRoadMedia.com. We would love to have you join us on our sister broadcast, a talk show that walks out Christian living and Bible apologetics entitled No Apology with Emily and Chris, a weekly download from FreshRoadMedia.com. Both broadcasts are listener-supported, and we would love to have you join us as the Lord leads. 
I'm Emily Danielson, and thank you so much for spending some time with us today. And may you see the blessings of the Lord as you go and serve your King.